when trying to you know, grow business, sell, get into accounts. I still had a lot of those fears around the executive level, going and meeting with a C-level officer, a senior VP, and for no reason, right? It was all just in my head. But I think over time, as I started to see like maybe my manager that would come in and do it, I'd watch him do it and watch him do it with confidence. I was like, let's really break down. What did he actually say? And what did he actually do? Hey everyone, welcome back to Key Moments. And Chris, thank you so much for joining the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Kareem. Good. Uh, thanks for having me on and good to see you again. Likewise, likewise. And for folks who may have not met you before, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah. So my name is Chris Freeman and uh, I am a high-tech sales uh, leader. I'm a real estate investor and uh, I host a podcast called high the High-Tech Freedom Sales Podcast. So I have a lot going on. <laughs> and just for, audiences, for our audience, how many episodes do you have so far? Yeah, so we're uh, we're over 100. I think I have about 125 recorded, and I think release we're around 105, 107. So we're we're getting up there. Awesome, awesome. So take us take us to like the, I guess like w w one place that I always like to start is, um, you know, in in terms of like your journey, like how did how did you get to where you are today as a real estate investor? Um, I think a lot of people would definitely be curious to know like how you got from from where you were originally to, to where you are today. And obviously the, the Genesis story behind the podcast. I know that with this show, we're going to be diving specifically into some key moments that uh, I, I definitely want to uh, dive into with, with your journey. But just to set the stage, maybe walk us through how things started. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So I, um, you know, I started off in a high tech sales world. Uh, you know, doing, and I still, I'm still doing that, doing a traditional in the U.S. what we call a W-2 job. Um, but early in my career, I, I was seeing people that had been, already been working for 30 something years in, uh, tech sales roles. And they were, I knew that they had done really well. And I knew that they had, you know, they worked at big vendors, they had stock options and so on, but I was scratching my head that why is this guy? And I didn't, you know, when I say they were older, I don't really know how old they were, but I was young at the time. So they looked old and I was always scratching my head. Like, why? Are these guys still grinding it out as a sales rep when I know that they've made all this money? Well, what I what I learned was, yeah, they did make a lot of money uh, in that profession. But what happened was they uh, their lifestyle creeped up along the way, and then when it came time to maybe thinking about you know retiring, you know their traditional retirement you know way that we do it here in the U.S. Uh, with a four hundred one k was not enough to maintain the cash flow that they were used to when working, and so. I ran into that early on. I quickly picked up that I didn't want to be in that situation. And at the same time, I met a future partner of mine who we've been partners for 20 plus years who had already successfully built up a real estate business, a real estate investing business, had his own personal assets. And I was watching this guy during the dot-com bubble. So this is, you know, 2000, 2001, while all of his friends were starting to really retract on their spending. You know, these guys were all retired uh, they were, as they were... They, they stopped their international travel. They stopped going to college football bowl games. They stopped doing some of the stuff that they liked to do because they were on fixed incomes and their portfolios were cratering. Well, I was looking at my future partner and he was still making, you know, his whatever, his incredible income um, and not missing a beat and hadn't really changed anything because he had all this income coming off of the apartments that he owned. Mm. And so that's, you know, that combined with me seeing these older guys when I was early in my career, that's when I realized, you know, I want what he has. 
And uh, it's been a long journey, but you know, I was, I've, I've always had a long-term view on everything. And so I uh, kind of set out on a real estate journey and uh, essentially attached myself to him uh, to learn along the way. I love that. And I'm super late to the party, but I've finally and recently picked up a, um, a copy of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. So I, I've been officially converted. Um, you know what I mean? Like even, even simple things like realizing that your house is not necessarily an asset. Um, versus like it being a liability. And, and really the, the, the true definition of an asset is that it's something that generates income for you. Like it's as simple as that. And you know, how like working hard and, and like the, the, the virtue, right. Of like working hard doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to, to free up your time and, and, and buy back your time as, as, as Don Martel and, and others would say. So. It's, it's, an, it, it's, I think like we can starting, we're, we're starting to see a little bit of these realizations, obviously from like the, the little bit that you shared so far, but take us like way back, Chris. So like, maybe let's talk about like your early childhood and kind of like what that looked like going into like your early career. And then, then obviously, um, from there into, into where you are today. Oh, wow. We're going way back. All right. Well, um, it's interesting because, you know, it's funny. I think life can take you down certain paths and sometimes you don't realize that it's taking you down that path until later on down the road. But for me, when I think back, like when I was in high school, uh, man, I was incredibly insecure, uh, not confident in any way, uh, really just not even comfortable with myself. And so as a result, I was, I would just kind of go with the flow, like in high school and, you know, and, and as a result, that means you tend to kind of go with maybe the wrong crowd. And so I got into a little bit of trouble in high school, horrible grades, just to goof off. Um, I really didn't have any direction or any sense of where I wanted to go. And so at that point, really no, no clear tra trajectory towards success, you know, maybe a trajectory the other direction. Um, and, you know, and then I remember graduating from high school, watching all my friends go away to college and universities, and I, I couldn't get into a uh, university because my grades were so bad. So I ended up staying home, going to a local community college, uh, cause anybody, you know, everybody can get in there. Uh, but that's all I could get. And, uh, but about that same time I stumbled into an interview or a job opportunity to do, uh, in-home sales of a, of a, of a product called Cutco Cutlery. You know, it's kitchen knives. And, uh, you know, they, they recruit from college campuses. They get kids during the summer. Uh, teach them how to go into people's homes, do a presentation. Um, and I kind of stumbled into this interview and the interview was like an hour long seminar or two hours to get y'all pumped up and excited. But up to that point, I had only worked, I had a paper route. I had worked at every pizza joint, every fast food restaurant, some amusement parks in my area. But this, this job at the time, and I was, uh, I don't even think I'd turned 18 yet, but this job was going into people's homes, presenting them uh, kitchen knives, trying to get them to buy them asking them for referrals and then having to call those referrals, cold call them and go into their home and do the same thing all over again. And were you doing, were you doing door to door selling just to get into these homes in the first place? No, you, you mostly would start with your friends and family, get referrals from them and then go call the referrals. And that's kind of how, you know, they, you know, you got to get over that hump of the friends and family. And that's when it gets hard is when you start going into strangers, people, people, strangers homes. And in a way, that part might have actually been easier than going into somebody that you know, because yeah. you know they don't know yet. But it was such a interesting exposure for me because I went from being a goof off, insecure, not real confident, 
to this organization when with high energy, they would do training every week. The manager would call you every single day. I think they called it like PDA, like personal daily attention. Yeah, they just check in and nobody had like ever checked in with me to see how I was doing. And so all of this positive uplifting messages, um, it was really a great way to keep a young college kid motivated. Um, and so I loved the job. I loved everything about it. Except the one part that I didn't like is I didn't like going into people's homes to do the actual sales work. I was terrified. Um, so I would, I would do the work. I'd set up all these meetings. Um, and then I'd find reasons to not show. I would cancel them. Oh, my car broke down. Um, I had a car fire. I, I, I would just make up stuff because I was terrified. And I would try to quit. Uh, I tried to quit multiple times, but I had this manager that would not let me quit. And then a funny thing happened is eventually I started to find some success. I started to feel like I was, you know, okay at doing it. And I was starting to get recognized for the work. And then they started to ask me to help other people that were maybe struggling. So I kind of look at that as sort of a pivotal, pivotal, pivotable, I'm not even saying the word correctly, an important time in my career because it did a couple things for me. Um, number one, it set me down, I think, you know, a career path that I could see, which was, all right, I just accepted, I like sales. I'm going to go down that career path. And number two, I learned a ton about kind of the whole idea of attitude, mindset, you know, believing and achieving things that you thought you couldn't do. And just the incredible things that happen once you actually do those things. And so then that carried, you know, I continued to do all, do that all the way through uh, a four-year university and eventually kind of went and got a job in technology sales. And uh, been doing that for 27, 28 years in sales and sales leadership. And so pretty much ever since that first job, like you were, you even throughout like college and everything, you were, you just continued selling. Yeah. I continued to sell knives for six years through college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, how, how did the, um, I, I have so many questions. You know what? I think let, let's keep it till later. because like, I literally have so many questions. So sure. Go, going back to something important, you said like, there was a time when you wanted to quit, but your manager wouldn't let you quit. Right. I was wondering like around that time, if you've had any failures that really stood out to you and kind of set the, the tone for like a stronger, like path forward afterwards. Yeah. You know, I, so one of the things that I'm, I'm really, really good at is I don't dwell on the failures. I don't think about them a lot. In fact, I've got, I think a pretty good skill or ability to just sort of forget about a lot of that stuff. But, um, you know, I definitely, you know, when I think back to my, you know, both my sales career and my real estate investing career, there's some mistakes that I made along the way. And I think back to like my earlier years when trying to, you know, grow business, sell, get into accounts. Um, I still had a lot of those fears around the executive level, going and meeting with a, a C-level officer, a senior VP. Um, and for no reason, right. It was all just in my head. Um, but I think over time, as I started to see like maybe my manager that would come in and do it, I'd watch him do it and watch him do it with confidence. I was like, let me, what did he, let's really break down. What did he actually say? And what did he actually do? I think I'm actually communicating better than he was. So why am I so afraid? Right? What if it doesn't work out? Who cares? No big deal. The biggest fear is never doing anything at all. And so I had to kind of go over those, get over that same hump that I had back when I was in college showing the knives and I was afraid to go into somebody's home. Um, really had to push through that. And one of the ways that I did that really was by over planning, um, being over prepared, 
Um, and that, that rose, uh, to an extra level of confidence when I did sit in front of that executive, because, you know, I've kind of gone through all the different scenarios of what might happen and what we might talk about. Gotcha. And what's like one example of that, that, uh, like early on when you, when you just, when you just discovered that, um, that like over-preparing can, can help you obviously like, uh, go in, <laughs> go in prepared. Like what, what would be an example of that? Oh boy. Um. I think back to a time I was working a large account and had a meeting with the executive and I had done a ton of research on the individual. And back then there wasn't as much LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn wasn't, I think it was around. Um, but I had, uh, you know, I had some knowledge about the company. I had some knowledge about some events. I think I had some knowledge about maybe, I think he was going to do a presentation somewhere. And, uh, I, you know, I just going in and not being so worried to quickly dig into what it was that I was selling, but just being able to have a conversation that, Hey, I noticed you're going to be in you know, Las Vegas presenting at this conference. What's, what's the topic on? Um, and then, you know, once you start talking to people and start having a conversation, all the worries go out the door. Now it's just, you know, they're people. Um, and so, you know, that, that allowed me to then establish that relationship. And the funny thing is, you know, when, when you're doing the executive sales, in some cases, you're not necessarily, or well, most cases, you're not trying to close anything. You're really trying to either A, get some, maybe some direction within the organization, get them to help you go do something or unstick something sure. or, or open up other doors. And in this case, it was, it was really a matter of establishing the relationship early because, you know, a year from that point, we were going to have a big deal. And that's not the time when you wanted to be trying to get in and build a relationship with, you know, the mm -hmm. most senior level executive. Yeah, makes 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 sense for sure, and it kind of ties in with something important you said earlier around like just the notion of like vicarious learning, like the fact that you were able to see someone else do that, and you were saying, well, hey, well, I I have what it takes, like I can I can and I can basically like fill in the gaps that or or make the modifications that I need to make on my side to make sure that I can actually be as uh, as an effective and kind of like emphatic communicator as I can. It kind of reminds me of something that I did like way back, I, you really brought this out of me, like from with your story is, um, literally like one of my very, my very first internships was in a marketing agency. Um, and I'm, I'm from Egypt. So my, my mother tongue is, is Arabic and I'm living here in, in Ireland, an English speaking country. And so they were trying to close this client that I think they, they were a U.S. client, but they came to Ireland for some reason because they wanted to set up like a TV, uh, media platform thing in, in the Middle East. So I have no idea how these countries or these regions relate to each other. Um, but anyways, they're like, Hey, you're the inner, you're the intern, come here, help us like get all the cultural stuff, right. So that when we, you know, do the, the, the pitch for the, for the client, um, that, you know, we, we can show that we've done our homework and stuff. And for some reason I thought, so I'm, I'm like, not even out of college. I'm like literally in college, I have no idea what I'm doing, no idea how I was going to be helping these guys. But I remember like, that during the the presentation they actually brought me to the client presentation and i just thought this is like some representative and they're going to pass the, in, the notes down to their boss man chris i was so like overly confident in that presentation like out of out of because i didn't realize that the person sitting in front of me was actually the owner of this massive like conglomerate he actually came to attend the pitch himself and i thought it was just like one of his you know what i mean like assistants yeah. or something so it's almost like the uh I don't know if it's, if it's like the inverse of what you're saying, but it just made me realize that like, if I had, you know, cause you, you said something uh, interesting earlier, which is like pe people are like, it, it's, it's always down to like just building a, a genuine communication with like a fellow human. Right. But if yeah. I, 
if someone had told me like, Hey, this is the freaking like, this is like the boss of like everything. And you're going to pitch to him as an intern. I, I would have freaked out. I don't yeah. think I'd be able to like say a word, right? Would have been all nervous. And, yeah. So, so I, I don't know if they forgot to tell me or if they purposely didn't, but either way, like I, I thank them because yeah, they, they kind of definitely took the, the pressure off and I think, um, yeah, yeah. definitely helped for sure. Uh, that's an awesome story. It's a good, good example. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that just happened so long ago. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to hear that. So I guess going to mo mo moving a bit down, like what was one, maybe after the time that you've kind of transitioned from, uh, your very first kind of like, uh, sales experience around like selling, uh, selling the product that you were selling, what was one book that really left an impact on you as you kind of transitioned into perhaps your next sales job after them. Yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite books that I've read over the last uh, few years really is uh, Who Not How. Um, I think it's by mm -hmm. Dan Sullivan. And the reason why this was so impactful for me is one of my weaknesses is really for probably three quarters of my, of my professional life uh, was this idea that I've always kind of had the idea that I, I could do all the work, right? I, I, I never was really great at segmenting out the highest priority work. I would just try to do it all and outwork everyone else. And, you know, that worked out fine for me. But this was such a great book because, um, you know, it really got to the point of, you know, like if, if I sit with a bunch of managers or directors or VPs and we're trying to talk about some thing that we need to change in the business, or I'm talking about my, my own real estate business. And I'm trying to talk about how do we go do something? We spent all our time talking about how do we do it? Mm -hmm. um, and the book really gets to the concept of you, know, maybe there's somebody else that already knows how to do it. So instead of talking about how to do it, let's talk about who could go do it, who could go do it that could accelerate that process. And you know, and that's, that's a lesson that I wish I would have had that earlier in my sales career. And, you know, at times I would leverage maybe a technical partner in my sales process, but, um, I was always trying to do everything, uh, to the detriment of maybe more accelerated growth. And, you know, kind of a, a fun example of that is you know, like today is my first day, uh, or the first day that my daughter is going to start working for me. Uh, she just started her summer and she's going to, for my podcast, she's going to handle uh, all the creative content, doing the the flyer promotions, doing the video clips, and so on. Mm -hmm. It's a great example of, you know, I could go do it, but instead of me spending an hour doing it, she's better at it. She knows how to do it. She actually likes it. I could pay her, let's say, twenty dollars an hour, and I could go spend that hour focusing on a two hundred dollar an hour problem, or a five hundred dollar an hour problem or opportunity. Um, so that that doing that, that actually really helped me scale up. I would have never been able to launch the podcast if I hadn't really figured out that um, other people are way better at doing this. Why don't I focus on what I'm good at, which is I know the content, I know the topic, mm -hmm. and I don't even like editing videos. I don't like doing, I don't want to know how to do Canva, but she does. I love that. And so first of all, because you're not going to believe me if I don't show it to you. Okay. Um, I'm going to show you something super quick. So, uh, the, the who not how book for anyone who's, uh, who's not heard of it. Like this is literally, I'm a Kindle guy through and through, but like, this is when I really like a book, I get it like hard. Yeah. 
hardcover. Um, more so just for the aesthetics of like just reminding me that this is a thing. So um, Chris, like this book absolutely changed my life as well. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Are you are you like deep into it? Like are you using impact filters as well and stuff like that? No, I, um, you know, it's it's one of those books that I've actually gone back and perused it a second time. Um, no, but I, you know, the one thing I also took away from it was you, you once you figure out the who, you do need to go back and you always have to be thinking about how do you innovate your business. And that's actually kind of how you and I met. So like with my podcast, I, I was trying to do video editing. And so what, what did I do? I was like, what, what am I doing? Why don't I hire a VA to do this? And so I hired a gal who's been with me for a couple of years and she was awesome. But then we went back and reevaluated it and said, wait a minute, what about for her? I'm paying her and she's spending hours doing this. Maybe there's a better way to do it. And we ended up finding your tool with, uh, you know, to automate some of the video editing. And it freed up her time to now go do other stuff where she's maybe leveraging a tool. And so that was the other thing that it wasn't directly, it's talked a little bit about in the book, but I do think that once you figure out something like a who, mm-hmm. you always need to be um, scheduling time to go back and reevaluate how could it be better? How could it be more efficient? How could it be easier? Totally, totally. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And it, it's funny, like AI, right? Uh, could or, or a tool in general could almost be the, the who for, for someone else. But in this case, it was your, um, your, your, your VA, right? And so one thing, though, that I struggle with, and this is actually a very current thing right now, is can you overdo who, not how? So I've I've first read that book about three years ago, and I was absolutely obsessed with it. I'm, I, we're, we're still practicing it to the best of our ability. But one thing that, and I was curious if, if you've had that experience as well, where even the things that you are good at, that you start to delegate these things away or outsource these things away as well. I'm curious if you've ever had a situation where you had something that you knew how to do, you were even pretty good at it, but you still decided to delegate that nevertheless. Sure. And and I think it maybe didn't work out quite as well. Um, so, I, for example, I was doing um, some marketing, some social media marketing and some direct messaging uh, marketing uh, through some different tools. And, uh, you know, I had created my messaging and I was having the my VA actually, um, you know, respond to some of those with some direction and some, uh, approvals from me. Um, but I found that that initially was a mistake because she was great at taking the directions, but you know, it, cre- it required a little bit more finesse. It required a little bit of my, uh, my own personality, my style, uh, you know, my, my connection with those people, especially when you're DMing somebody, let's say on LinkedIn. Um, so that was actually something that I ended up pulling back and looking at, okay, what could I still have her do? But there's certain parts that, that for now I need to own until I get it really rock solid. And then maybe, you know, I could start to peel off a little bit more back to her, uh, right. over like the, time. the data entry or the research layer right. or something like that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I got you. I think, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, I think like one book that I've, um, that I've started reading recently is called take the stairs by a guy called rory vaden uh, or sorry rory vaden uh, i hope i'm pronouncing it correctly but basically he talks about talks about many things but one of the things that i've understood so far is doing the hard things like up front sometimes people are looking for shortcuts and the easy way out but in a weird way like doing the hard things up front actually makes 
genuinely makes life so much easier for you down the road and going for shortcuts and and the easy way out early on not only does it not work but it actually ends up being the hard way that you've been trying to avoid in in the first place and so combining that with like the who not how concept that that you know we've been discussing so far i think it's really interesting because sometimes a lot of people uh and, and i definitely count myself one of those as, as one of those you know we try and delegate something and it doesn't pan out and then you know i say you know what this this i'll just go back and and do this myself even though it's something that the, the onus is basically on me to to do a better job at creating maybe a slightly better um impact filter which is a tool to basically determine very clearly what you want without necessarily micromanaging the how but just very clearly determining like hey this is what success looks like and this is what success doesn't and to create a game for for people for the collaborators that you'll work with the, to, to abide by and, and boundaries and so on. Um, and I realized that I had still had a ways to go in terms of like being really specific in terms of what I do want. And also it's kind of like with, with, uh, with prompt engineering, right? Like if you just say, draw me a cat, right. Or, or, or some, like you'll, you can get all sorts of results, but the more specific you are, of course, the more, uh, you know, the more, the more relevant and helpful the output would be. So I realized that this is definitely something that, uh, that I had to work on as well, for sure. Well, you know, I totally, uh, I totally agree with everything you said. And and one of the things that I did kind of in the theme of who, not how was I knew I had to put up, put, do some hard work to get organized and kind of build the structure. I was also reading the book traction at, at the time mm -hmm. and a uh, great book. And there's a lot of those concepts that I wanted to um, put into process and document, but I also recognized that isn't one of my strengths. I don't, I don't like creating all that documentation. I don't like you know, I like going. And so what I realized is when I was hiring my VA, uh, one of the things that I was really clear about was I'm going to be a little bit disorganized. I'm not going to give you something that's cookie cutter, ready to go. Part of your job is to help me document and build this. And so yeah. she just, she just left uh, last week was her last day, but what she has now put together for me I can I I, mean, I can't give it all to my daughter. I'm just giving my daughter a snippet of it. But now, as I bring other people into my business to take over some of that, I have all the videos. I have the methods and procedures. I have the process flow. She helped me build that structure, which, you know, I would have probably taken twice as long to do. Um, and I was I just didn't have the attention to that level of detail like she did. And so, um, you know, now I can bring in another who. Um, and accelerate their onboarding. Love that. I love that. Who is one person that has had a lasting impact in your journey so far? Oh boy. Um, you know, I, if Speaking you work, boost. <laughs> yeah, if you work long enough, I think you, know, you go through phases and I, I feel like I've been through roughly three kind of work life phases, but I, I think that I'll go with the, the last one, which is really my, um, my partner in the real estate business of 20 plus years. When I first met him, he was 30 years older than me. And I think I mentioned earlier, he had already been really successful uh, building up a, a business. And by working with him, he gave me a little bit of a crutch and some extra confidence because I knew that he had already been down this path uh, that I wanted to go down. Uh, and so it gave me an opportunity to you know, better, I guess, see and visualize where I wanted to go um, you know, the other thing that I, that I kind of took away from him is, you know, he's like late eighties now. Um, 
But one of the things that I took away from him was by the time we started to work together, he would, he had already retired, uh, more or less, he was just kind of working part time, but he never stopped working. And it's really what I learned. It's one of those things that kept him sharp, kept him active, kept him healthy. Um, just through the result of being engaged at work, you know, is, is, he just kept doing it as long as he was physically able, he wasn't working 40 hours a week, but he'd go do a little bit of work each day and then go take a three week international va vacation. So it was very inspirational to me, for me, um, not by what he was saying, but just kind of what he did and him really living and demonstrating what, you know, long-term, what I call freedom looks like. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't almost like the the direct, almost like um, educational or kind of like tactical input that he may have uh, given, but it's more so just him like wa walking the talk and just just seeing how he is living, and you you felt like that just gave you so much um, support as as you also like went went through through that journey. Right. Yeah. It was just you know, like I said, it was inspirational, and I kind of grabbed onto him and. Uh, you know, he was somebody that if I wasn't sure about something in that particular business, um, you know, he was somebody that I would rely on for guidance and advice. And like I said, we ended up partnering uh, for 20 years as a result of it, and just building up a portfolio of uh, real estate. And did you, you, you may have mentioned this before, but just to be sure, did you guys, like, how did you guys meet? Well, so we met, um, I, so I, he ended up being my father-in-law. So we met because I ended up marrying his daughter, but, uh, we started working together before my wife and I were married. Right. 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 All right. Well, that, that, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's really fascinating. Cause I mean, when he and I talk, it's not like father-in-law, son-in-law, it's like we're business partners. Partners, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're on, and that's you know, so special, isn't it? Because it's, it's not, it's not a given, right. That you'll necessarily be a, uh, business partners with, yeah. uh, with, uh, you know, with, with your in-laws. So I think that's really special. In fact, it could be the total total opposite in some cases. So, oh yeah, I, I can I can only imagine for sure, uh, right? And I suppose like maybe more in recent times, what? Tell me about one decision that you've made that you feel has like so far made like all the difference in your journey. You know, I think the the, the decision to actually go out and create a podcast um, has completely re-energized me. You know, I'm 51 now, but, um, you know, when you've been working for a long time, everybody goes through peaks and valleys in their, in their work. And, you know, you've got kids that get to a certain age, the decision to make the leap to create something that puts me out there front and center when I don't actually like to do that. You know, yeah, I'm, I like to do sales and, you know, I like socializing and talking to people, but I don't like to self-promote myself. I don't like to go out. I'm not usually that guy. And, you know, I had a lot of nervous energy around doing it. And so the decision to do that has opened up so many things that I just did not expect. Uh, and what related. led you to, to actually, like, what led you to setting that up in the beginning? Well, my as my real estate business was growing, I wanted to get more of a brand out there. And I wanted to continue to pick up investors along the way because we were going out and buying 100 unit. 200 unit, um, apartment complexes. And so when you do that, typically no one person has all the money to do that. You raise capital, people invest alongside you. Um, and so it, initially I thought, well, I'll go do the podcast to go find more investors. And a lot of my investors had come from the technology sales world. So I said, well, why not go create, instead of having a real estate podcast, why not go create a podcast that really caters to the type of people that are already investing with me and the people that are in my network, which are high tech salespeople. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's why I created the, the, the concept of the podcast or the, the topic. Um, I didn't really pick up many investors that actually were listeners, but the funny thing that's happened is I've made all these incredible contacts and relationships from people that have been guests on the podcast. You know, when you sit and like you and I are talking today, you get to know somebody for an hour. Um, you know, that's, that's a pretty cool opportunity. And usually I'm talking to people that are pretty high caliber, um, really successful salespeople, maybe sales coaches, maybe authors, um, people that like yourself that have started up businesses. And funny thing, you know, some of those people have ended up being investors along the way, but more importantly, um, I've learned a ton. Mm-hmm. I've, I've grown my network worldwide from having, you know, hundred plus guests on the show. And, you know, I don't know where it'll go two, three, four years from now, but, um, you know, I, I, I like the idea of giving back and providing value, especially to maybe earlier career sales professionals. And, you know, we'll see where it goes in a few years from now. I've got, I've got this idea that maybe one of my kids will eventually graduate college, go into sales, and maybe they'll jump on and co-host the show with me at some point. Maybe I could then hand it off yeah. to them down the road. Yeah, and I think it's it's pretty thoughtful that you didn't necessarily create like a real estate investment podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's you. You really focused on the audience, and I think something that I really hope like our listeners pick up on is audiences, like uh, an audience and uh, an almost like a, a persona that you were already in touch with, that you were already familiar with, as opposed to you know doing something that was that that was maybe a, a little bit more like not that or like a bit a bit more for- forced. So I think that that part was really. Um, was really interesting. And I think the other thing as well that you mentioned was really cool is that this isn't necessarily like, hey, one episode equals like X amount of, of revenue or anything like that. It was really an opportunity to have, right? Like virtu- almost like virtual coffees or like really getting to know people um, and, and, and build a relationship with them and see how you can add value to to them and to the, to the listeners and so on. So I think that's a very, I think that's like really good hygiene <laughs> when it comes yeah. to like, uh, uh, starting and, and, and growing a podcast as opposed to having a more transactional mindset, I would say. Totally is. And, and the thing that I am, um, you know, if you're a business owner, a small business owner, maybe just a general professional, and you're thinking about growing, getting your message out there, I think the challenge that people sometimes have is they want to be everything to everybody. And it's such a diluted world out there. And, and, and this isn't my quote, somebody else had said this, but, you know, they were saying to me, you know, hey, you know, you can... You know, right now you can go out with a generic topic and you're just going to be a minnow in the ocean, right? Yep. No one will know you, no one will see you. But if you can shrink that pond, you know, maybe you can be a bigger fish in that pond, be more noticeable, provide more value, maybe be the only fish in the pond. And so, you know, it's a combination yeah, of- shark. <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah, it's a combination of, of that. And also, you know, really knowing your audience, you know, knowing where can you add the most value because you'll connect much faster than you will with just some generic approach. Absolutely. So we can keep talking, but I'm conscious of your time. I want to ask you, what's like one accomplishment that has meant so much to you that maybe didn't seem like it was all that much to others, but to you, it it, it was just different. Well, you know, I, I do go back to the podcast, um, get just getting to a hundred episodes. Um, that to me, that's very, very special. Cause I, I don't, I've never really built anything completely on my own. 
right? I mean, you've been a co you've been a founder of a company, and you know when you work for somebody, you know, yeah, I built up a real estate business, but I had a partner, right? I was kind of riding along with him. This is something that uh, I figured it out from scratch. Um, but the more the, the reason why the hundred episodes is so in, in, impactful to me is I stuck with it because so many people will have great ideas. They'll start something, they'll hit a roadblock and they'll give up. And I definitely was frustrated as I was going through this process, but to get to a hundred episodes, um, to meet all these people, to have a system that I built around it. I'm incredibly proud of, of that because now it's easy and now it's automated. Now I can really focus on how do I tweak it and make it better. Uh, for example, we just, I just got a notification that we made some list of the top 15 sales or business podcasts in some sector. So, um, it's, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just neat to get noticed and recognized for that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it, it, it is no easy feat, right? Like it's never been easier. Like this is the thing with today's culture. Like it's never been easier to start something to, to buy a website domain and say you're, or to say you're a, you know, a, a podcaster or a CEO or whatever, but like how many people actually have the, um, the, uh, yeah, the, the fortitude to right to keep to keep that going and the consistency and the self discipline. And I don't think like consistency and self discipline are like the most unsexy like words out there, super mundane. But I think in today's world, like this is probably one of the most important skills, you know, as Cal Newport has, has said in, in his book, like way back in um, in his book Deep Work, you know, like your your ability to like maintain focus for a long period of time or over long intervals in general, I would add is like something that's just so rare these days, especially with everything else that's going on. So yeah, kudos to you for keeping it going. What What's next for the podcast though? Are you gonna, are you getting to another hundred episodes? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so, you know, now it's really, um, so like everybody, right? There's so much noise, you know, you wanna grow your downloads, right? You wanna get it out to, to bigger audiences. And so I'm really focused on kind of like brute force growing um, the downloads. And one of the ways that I'm doing that is in some ways it's one-on-one -on -one conversations. You know, I'm networking a ton with people and yeah, you can go blast social media, put a bunch of content out there. But I find that when I go connect with somebody, we have a virtual coffee for 15 minutes, you know, we see how we can help each other. Um, you know, I share the podcast, you know, and if I can go pick up individual listeners over time um, or one of my favorite things to do is like when you come on as a guest, which you will, um, I really put a lot of energy to highlight the guest and really promote the heck out of the guest and build up uh, or get recognized by some of the guests um, contacts that, that, that then check out the podcast and maybe start listening mm -hmm. to it. So for me, the next year is really about just really, um, what do they call that? Uh, ground level. Um, not right, wait i'm not paying a bunch of marketing dollars to go do it i'm just kind of brute force oh like grassroots grassroots thank you yeah yeah yeah. i got you i got you so in closing um as i said like we can keep talking forever but i'm conscious of your time where can people find the podcast and where can people find you yeah so uh for me I, you can go to linkedin i'm chris freeman if you put in chris freeman also high tech freedom you'll find me i'm you know if you put in the linkedin url i'm chris freeman um my uh, the podcast is uh, the High Tech Freedom Sales Podcast. Uh, you can also go to our website at hightechfreedom.com. And we do have a webinar that we recently recorded. So if you want to go check that out, it's hightechfreedom.com forward slash webinar. And it's just a webinar that we put together on 
specifically how high-tech sales professionals can build wealth and, and additional income through real estate. You don't have to be in sales, but you might pick up a couple tips. Um, yeah, so check that out. And definitely, uh, you know, if I can help you, if you're ever thinking about starting a podcast, you want to talk about sales, you know, maybe you're a business owner and you are also the chief sales officer and you're struggling. I, you know, I'm not selling anything, but I'm happy to chat and, you know, brainstorm ideas. Just reach out, drop me a note, uh, and we can DM through LinkedIn. Awesome, Chris. And yeah, we'll we'll make sure to add links to all these as well so it's easier for folks to find. But yeah, Chris, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and your journey thus far. Um, we'll we'll continue uh, watching and yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Kareem. Appreciate it.